wanted to throat punch that voice that's in your head because it just plays on an inner negative loop. And then you attach all these labels to yourself, like I'm not good enough. Who do you think you are? You'll never amount to anything. Well, my guest today turned everything around and turned it into a positive. So welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and business. And today, our guest is the incredible Deanna Radadoscu. Thank you, Deanna, for being here. Thank you, Shay. I'm fired up now. That was a great introduction. <laughs> well, and I have to be honest, I have, we've been connected on Facebook for quite a while when yeah. we're both part of the Heroes Media Group family. And I am just so delighted to be able to finally get connected with you and hear your story and share your amazing story. So thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. And for those of you who don't know, Deanna Radulascu is much more than a fashion designer turned podcaster. She has overcome much abuse and trauma and is free from any kind of labels. Now she is the host of the Label Free Podcast, where she interviews entrepreneurs that are living life on their own terms. You can find out more episodes, including mine, on labelfreepodcast.com. And we'll, of course, have that in the show notes. So Deanna, I always like to start off with the first question of what does investing in people mean to you? Uh, serving, to serve others, you know, and just do it selflessly. And I realize more now in my life that I am definitely, I, I come from a, a place of serving. I just, I love it. I've always been that way. And I think maybe it's because I'm the oldest in my family, but I think that that is the best way to show someone that you value them is when you serve them. Mm. I love that. And, you know, I think a lot of people will look at serving at such a, uh, a mediocre, uh, you know, type of thing to do. Yeah. And I really feel like the servant leadership is really, you know, who we are, where yeah. we're coming from. And you definitely display that in everything that you do. And so how did, how did you become inspired to become a servant leadership? I think it just naturally is was how I was from before. And I didn't realize it more now as I'm getting a little bit older and I've done a lot of the work on myself where it's like, you know, doing the podcast is a way of serving other people and letting, letting them share their story and allowing them that space and that acceptance to know that it's okay and that they're, that they're loved and no judgment. And I think that that is one huge way that, that I serve and not only in, in, in that way, but also in my personal life with family and stuff like that is uh, I'm always, I'm always willing to show up and help. If you need me, I'm there, you know, and that's something that I can never say no to do because that's truly who I am. You know, I mean, as much as I'm like, Oh, well, no one's ever there for me, but it's not about who's there for me. It's about me wanting to be there for others and making sure that I'm just being true to myself. I mean, I can't, I, it's just who I am. I can't fight it. Unfortunately, sometimes <laughs> I want to like, damn it, I'm, I'm committing way too much, but then it's just like, I feel good at the end of the day, you know, being yeah. able to. So how do you serve from a cup that maybe isn't as full as you would like it? What is it that you do to really make sure that you're overflowing rather than coming from an empty cup? 
I need my me time, girl. Oh my God. I need my <laughs> me time and my sleep. No, for real. Like if I, I need to make sure that I prioritize at least one thing in the day for myself, whether it's like a beauty mask or hitting the gym or just maybe like just some downtimes with my dogs. Like I need to make sure that I'm taking care of myself. Like that, that's a non-negotiable for me in my life, you know? Yeah. And I also need my sleep. Luckily, my husband is very like, let's go back to sleep, babe. I want you to get your rest. So I'm very- Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I'm very appreciative that he knows that those are the things that I need. So I do make sure that I take care of myself. <laughs> and have you always known that? Or did just this was something that you learned along the way that you needed those specific things? You know, I always I've always worked out. Like I used to compete in bodybuilding. You know, I would place first. I always, you know, qualified for nationals. And I that was always an outlet for me. And as I've gotten older, it's more than just an outlet. It's just making sure that I prioritize myself and, and making sure that I um invest in myself so that mm -hmm. I can invest in others. You know, it's important because you can't pour from an empty cup. Right. Well, I think that's literally where the, the the show came from is how oftentimes as leaders, we will pour from an empty cup and not realizing that we, then when we hit this trial or tribulation and muck and the yuck, it's like, yeah. oh, we have nothing to give ourselves. We're just completely depleted. But when you then, then you have to invest in yourself and it naturally overflows yeah. onto your family life and business, right? Yeah. So, you know, we talked a little bit in the beginning about being a fashion designer. So take us back to how did that come about? And and can we buy some of your clothing now? Because I've seen your <laughs> style. You are hot, girl. I love it. Oh, thanks. Well, I've always loved clothes. So when I was little, I used to dress up in my grandmother's hats and her dresses and her high heels. My mom always dressed very, you know, she always had a nice style to her. And so I had like great women to be an example of fashion and style and um, just loved it. I love clothes. So as I got older, I started sewing, you know, I took a lot, all the home ec classes and I sewed a lot of my own clothes and I would always like alter the clothes that I would get. And um, sorry, my little dog keeps like running back and forth. <laughs> well, sorry. he's participating. It's all good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> gee, this is Athena. She's my co, like my partner today. There you um, go. Then I would go garage sale shopping and I'd always buy like nice, like nice dresses, like just like old time dresses. And I would wear them to school. People thought I was like, I was such a nerd. I was a nerd in high school. <laughs> I didn't care though. I would, I would always dress differently. And so I always told myself I would love to become a fashion designer. And then when mm -hmm. I met my late husband, you know, I worked with him. We were partners in our businesses together. And I always told him that's what I wanted to do. And he had promised me, oh, well, when we get these businesses off the ground, I'll be your, and he said his, my bitch. You know, that's what he would say, mm -hmm. because yeah, I told yeah. him, I said, I'm not going to sit in the backseat forever. This is not my passion. I don't love anything about automotives or cars. I could care less about transmissions. <laughs> I don't I don't care about it. And so, um, you know, he had made that promise to me. But unfortunately, you know, his time has come and gone on this earth. And during like right before he passed, I started looking into companies in Soho, New York, which is the fashion capital of New yeah. York. Absolutely. And I found I found a consulting agency, which hindsight, I could have saved myself a lot of money and <laughs> sure. did it all myself. But I I contract I entered into a contract with them after my husband passed, and I started my first collection with them. Learned a lot. Like fashion is very like intricate when you're if you're trying to create a piece from scratch, right. doing the pattern, having a, a um a, you know the model that you're going to use for like the, your basic design. So like you're, you're going to size up from that model that you're using. And so it's just a lot, a lot that went into it. 
when I did a Kickstarter. So I did created yeah, the pieces. Yeah. I had all my samples. And so I was, I did a, a runway show in Rhode Island. So that was amazing. I was on the news out there nice, and nice. that was super, super exciting. I love putting it, the looks together for the models, getting all the shoes and accessories. Like you have to bring all that stuff. So I was able to ship a lot of my stuff that I had. It was a ton of fun. But then when I went to, I did a Kickstarter, it was successful. I raised over $5,000 for my first production run. Nice. And so when I went to fill those orders, all of a sudden the pricing that they had quoted me changed. Oh, and no. I had already given them the deposit. And so I had to fight them to get the money back. And then I had to source everything here in the Chicagoland area to you know, to fulfill the orders that I got on Kickstarter, because I, I'm not going to be, I know that that's very common. People invest in Kickstarters. They don't get their product, but right. I wasn't, I wasn't going to be that. I wasn't going to start off on this journey, not fulfilling my first production run. You know what, you know what I mean? That my first orders that I got. So then I did two more collections after that. I did a casual one and all my pieces like were fairly high end. So mm -hmm. people I found out are very weird about their clothes. So unless mm -hmm. like they've, <laughs> They are, yeah, you, know, yeah. you can buy clothes on Amazon. You can buy them in Walmart, you know, you can mm -hmm. buy Target. Like people can buy their clothes everywhere. And so no matter how, you know, chic or stylish my, my clothing was, it's like, I wasn't well known enough. And mm -hmm. it was, it was, it was definitely very kind of um, bittersweet to do it, to fulfill my dream, but also not to get it off the ground. Like I had dreamed of you know sure. but i think i did things a little bit backwards i should have done things the way I, I wanted to instead of how the consulting firm told me how to oh, sure. my last collection was an avant-garde collection i did for i threw a big charity event here in chicago with six other chicago-based designers against human trafficking we had mm -hmm. over 300 people it took me eight months to organize that I mean, it was, it was amazing. I mean, I still have people to this day, like, when are you going to have another event? I'm like, well, when somebody's going to fund it, because that yeah. costs a lot of money, <laughs> but that was my last collection. I actually still wear some of the pieces from that collection today because they were so cool, but yeah. yeah and that was it. I told myself I'm do three collections. If it doesn't get off the ground, then I'm done. And so, wow. Okay. Yeah. I did three seasons and that was it. So do you design or sew your own clothing now just for you, just for fun? No. No. Yeah. yeah. No. If I so, had space to do it in like an area where I could, you know, just set up specifically for sewing and have a sewing machine there, I would probably do that, but I don't have the space right now. Yeah. Maybe in the, in the future. Perhaps. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, you mentioned human trafficking a little bit and we talked a little bit off camera before we started recording. So why is that so important to you about giving back to human trafficking? Because I feel like it's not talked about enough. And when I, I didn't even realize I was a, you know, victim of it, survivor of it until I started learning more about it. And had people been talking about this, you know, when we were in high school, you would have your, your eyes would be a little bit more open to it. Right. You know, especially for girls like me that comes from a broken home where, you know, the father is, is gone, he's a deadbeat. And you, so you're, you're looking for love in the arms of the wrong guy. Right. Mm -hmm. And per, ex, uh, essentially perpetuating the cycle. And so, you know, I got involved with the wrong guy, you know, next thing, you know, introducing me to things that I'm like, oh, okay, I just want to make you happy thinking that he's going mm -hmm. to love me more. And then got into drugs and just all that. It's just a, it's just a vicious cycle. Cycles, so, sure. 
And so there are many different forms of human trafficking, which people don't know. There's obviously the one where they take you and ship you somewhere where they're going to make you a slave. But then there's also the ones where the boyfriend's passing you around to his friends, mm. where you're getting you know abused in the home by a neighbor or family member. Um, you know, uh, being if some uh, your boyfriend's p- pimping you out. These are mm-hmm. all forms of human trafficking. And had they start talking about this in school, you know, I think that you'd would have equipped me let alone sure. other other young women of knowing what to look out for. And, you know, it's okay to say no. What is um, the biggest obstacle you think with getting the information out there to human trafficking? Because I think some people think it's still to this day, after everything that we know, I think a lot of people think it's still the woman's fault. No, I think is that people are uncomfortable to learn about mm. it. They're uncomfortable to talk about it. I think, you know, sex in particular, people get a little uncomfortable to talk about, right? And so when it's something that is not mainstream for them, they don't want to, okay, well, I just want to turn turn, turn a blind eye to it. And so when I was out there those eight months doing the work to promote the, promote the event, a lot of people did not want to know. They didn't want to hear the stats. Uh... I mean, the, the statistics here in Illinois, in the major suburbs, and, and then in the Chicagoland area are just ridiculous. They're, mm-hmm. they, the human trafficking in, on all levels is outrageous. And nobody wants to admit or acknowledge that it's it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I used to live in Kansas City, and that was a major hub because there's two major highways that connect there. And I had no idea until I was interviewing, actually, he was a former um, FBI agent who started a recovery center for um, girls in in the downtown um, urban area of Kansas City. But what's so amazing about it, it wasn't like recover and, you know, we keep you and home you. It was like a place to be refreshed. So maybe they needed maybe they just needed a ticket, a bus ticket home. And so they would provide that so they could get back to someone. And he made sure that he talked to that person, whoever they were going to on the phone before they just sent him away, you know, that that there was someone safe to go back to, which is, I think a lot of times what people are forgetting that they've come from a place that's already broken, Mm -hmm. right? Instead of going, oh, well, they're just doing that to make money no, or whatever their, 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 their label they're using, right? Yeah using on it. And what it really is, is like, oh my God, how many people have been drugged? How many people have been kidnapped, uh, you know, stolen, all of these things. I actually, in the middle of nowhere in a farm, there was an actual recovery farm that um, I call them kids, but they were in their twenties were shipped there and to recover. And they had set up a kind of a ministry compound where there were probably, I would say seven or eight different houses and people from all over the world would come to live there as the host parents. Oh, and wow. then they would have five or six kids. Again, they're in their 20s yeah. uh, with living them. And they have to rehabilitate them to go back into the real world because emotionally and mentally, they're the age whenever it all happened. So yes. they might be 10, they might be 11, but they're 20, 25. You know, and you've got to think about that. Like, what's the damage that's been done? Yeah, no, there's a lot of damage. I mean, it prevents you to having, you know, real intimacy with someone unless you deal with it. Um, You trust, obviously, trust is a big one. And um, fear, you know, fear of like, okay, well, if this is, 
like if so for me i repeated the pattern mm-hmm. you know have one bad boyfriend i get into another bad boyfriend until i started i went to counseling and started like you know working on myself and healing those parts of myself that needed to be healed you know it's like you're you're like a loser magnet you right know? right yeah you're thinking like okay well and then and you you fall for the same shit over and over again so then it, it creates those trust issues where okay well you felt like you were safe when you really were not and then, you know, you get abused and the drugs and just, you know, it's just not they, being exploited. You know, it's not uh, you have to really work on yourself. I, I elected, I decided to put myself into counseling. So mm-hmm. I, I took the, just made the decision to say, I need to fix myself in this pattern, this path I'm on, because I probably wouldn't be alive today if I didn't. I hear you. I was the same way. And I had to do that as well. I met, it all comes down to that decision. Yeah. Like you said, to get help. And I, you know, look at it from the standpoint of if you're, you live inside of a cup, that's all, you know, is what's inside the cup. You have no idea that there's people outside of that, that don't lie, that don't cheat, that don't abuse, that are actually nice, but you have no idea because you're not that none of that is familiar. You're not used to any of that. And I did the same thing. I I, Yeah. I call it a, a, the bad boy magnet, right? You you fall into that and it's like uh, the same same person, like, different body. They're like predators, though. They're predators. They can sense oh, for sure. that weakness in you and know that they can say certain things that's going to win you over and they can just keep you in that loop. Yeah. Where, where, like, you know, it's in a very abusive cycle that, like, yeah. oh, you, know, you believe everything they say, but then they treat you this way. And it's like, it's really hard until you can start trusting your, um, your senses and trusting your judgment. Like, okay, this is not good for me. I know that something doesn't feel right here. And when you can really acknowledge it doesn't feel right and just stand in that, like, and just own that, like, and that's when I think you can decide to get help. How did you come to that realization that this isn't okay? Cause I remember going through it, going at questioning myself, like, wait, is he telling me the truth or do I trust Am I telling me the truth kind of a thing? So how did, what did you, how did you decipher that? I got involved in, in, um, I got involved in martial arts and Mm -hmm. like it started, it started really changing my mindset. And then I started reading more books, like just self-help books and meditation books. And then it was like, okay, as I was reading these books and going through the martial arts, I started growing. I started changing my, my circle. And then I ended up ultimately moving away from everybody, changing all my numbers. And I just got myself into counseling because I was just like, there's something better for me out there. Cause mm-hmm. I think that, you know, like yourself, that's why we're here today. You, yeah. ha- you, ha- I do feel like we haven't gone through this stuff for no reason. Right. We had a calling. And yep. that's, I think that's what has brought us to this place today to share these stories and to let people know, or, or women know, or anybody mm-hmm. know that they're not alone and that there is, you can get out of it. I mean, there, it's not for nothing. I, I truly believe that because I had a calling, like there's something better for me. There's mm-hmm. something better for me. And I listened to that. And I just continued down the path of, of doing things that were going to allow me to grow instead of being stuck in, in the same place. I love that you said that the calling, there's something better for me. I distinctly remember that was mine too. Yeah. And for me, it was um, thinking, what else could there be? Yeah. Like, could there be a life outside of this abuse? Could there be a, a happiness? Could I actually be thriving instead of just surviving? Yeah. No, I want to be thriving every day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So now here we are, you've come to, uh, to a better place. You've been healing. 
Yeah. And so what really led you to really inspire others in your podcast to, to go down this route? So it started out as a passion project really has, like I told you, has taken on a, a life of its own. Um, the, the message just resonates with people in so many different ways. And, you know, I did not realize that that was going to happen. I, I just did it mainly for myself when I started. I remember doing, I don't know about you, but I remember doing my intro, my first intro episode, and I was drinking a bottle of red wine and I'm like, I had to do like 10 takes. Like, and, and when I pushed that button to go live, I was so scared. I was like, because you're putting yourself out there on display, mm -hmm. you know, open for judgment. And I was just like, if I'm going to live label free, I don't care anymore. People can judge me, love me, hate me, whatever. I just don't care. Cause my, at the end of the day, my intention is good. And so as I started doing more interviews and talking, the, the show just kept evolving. And then we've had so many different resources out there, like Podmatch, matchmaker, mm -hmm. podcast guests, all these different things. And, and I get, I get blown up. I'm sure like yourself, just mm -hmm. blown up every day of people that want to be on the show. Oh, I love what you're doing. I love your message. Thank you so much for the work you do. And so it's just, you know, it's just turned into something that I like we're talking about serving is where I feel like I'm mm -hmm. serving others and just bringing this message where it's helping people just kind of feel free, you know, mm -hmm. because I think that's really the, essentially what it means is to, is just to be free, you know? Well, I love this topic about being free because, you know, a lot of times we get wrapped up in the identity of who we, we've either been told yeah. who we are, or we have a title or a rank, right? Like if someone's in the military, they have a rank. If they're on corporate, they have a title. And then yeah. that goes away. Maybe they've transitioned from uh, on, uh, employee to entrepreneur or or now they become, you know, military to civilian life. They're no longer oh. that thing. Mm -hmm. And so I love what your message is, is really about knowing that you're not that identity that is wrapped up in that label. You yeah. are so much more. Yeah. So much more. Yeah. So yeah. what, yeah. So what has been some of the, the negative and the good, you can name both the, t the labels, the uh, identity that you have, that you have even created for yourself. Mm. You know, when uh, my late, my husband, my first husband, when he passed away, that label of widow was really tough. Mm. Like yeah. it was, I was young. I was in my late thirties and I, I, to me, that's young. I know there's yeah. other people out there that become widows much younger, but I was just like, that was a tough label. And the way people treated me, especially like customers of ours, you know, we had a big manufacturing operation and different customers, men reached out to me. It was very weird. And then when I started trying to date, you know, I had to start my life over, you know, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. but you, you know, and I had a lot of people that were not happy with me for doing that. Like mm -hmm. I should just sit at home and rot, you know, yeah. and I'm like, you know, and I have a, a younger sibling to even this day that he's still angry with me with how I handled things. And I'm just like, well, you know, you need some life experience and, and then we can talk. But <laughs> um, that was tough. I was not prepared for that. Like when I started dating and telling people I'm a widow, it was just like sign of the cross. Like, oh my God, stay away from me. Right. <laughs> I'm not a black widow. Okay. This man right. with steroids. Like I tried to save him, but he was not having it. So yeah, that was tough. That was tough. And then, you know, I was vice president of key accounts and business operations. I had a lot of power. Mm. Yeah, I had a lot of power. And for that was a real tough title to lose and to adjust to not having that power in my life anymore. That was hard. That was very hard. You know, 
Well, it is always a transition when you come out of a, a place like that, right? Uh, whether it's a, yeah. the, the widow or the vice president. Yeah. Now you're like, it, it's a grieving process, oh, but, yeah. right? Whether it's good or bad, it's just a grieving process that most of us don't even recognize because it's change. Anytime there's change, there's a grieving process and you just have to go, okay, so who am I? How, how do I want to show up? So now you get to make, go back to making that decision yeah. on how you want to show up. So what are the labels that you would put on yourself now? Even though you're label free, let's say identity is not labels. Uh you know, uh, happy, peaceful, yeah. grateful, yeah. abundant, you know, if you want to, those are what I like to see myself. I mean, not every day is perfect, right? You know, I I struggle with things sometimes, but I mean, but for the most part, I wake up happy. I, I wake up with a purpose and I wake up just feeling abundant and grateful in my life. You know, when you watch someone mm -hmm. die in front of your eyes, mm. it really changes your perspective. Like just to watch them lose their battle. I mean, it was over two and like he battled kidney disease for 10 years, but for the wow. last two and a half years, it was really intense. Like mm -hmm. just, it was a constant downhill battle. Mm -hmm. And um, that really, I think opened your eyes to like what, you know, we're blessed to be here. Like, yeah. you know, we're, we're, I'm blessed to be alive and to be, you know, above ground instead of below. I, I agreed. I watch both my parents go through that and pass and it's, it, it instills something in you that if you haven't experienced, you have no idea. Yeah. It's this almost you're honored to be alive. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, girl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. High five. <laughs> yes. I knew we were sisters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so now that you have this amazing podcast, what is next for you? What do you see on the horizon? What do you want to do? Do you want to find a funder and bring back that awesome clothing line or do something completely different? I wouldn't mind dabbling in the clothing again, but I would do it way different than I did before. So I would, I would be my fit model. I would t tailor the clothes, my, my designs to fit me. And I would show them off and sell maybe a couple pieces at a time. But what I'm working on now, and I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, but I'm launching a network for podcasters like us that have mm -hmm. a similar message to get a little bit more exposure. Um, it's being a little bit more difficult than I thought it was going to be, but <laughs> well, I'm going to have a channel on Apple TV, Roku, Fire, and all the things so that we'll be streaming on those on on those channels. And um, yeah, and obviously I, I'd like to write a book one day if I could ever get the strength, get the muster up the energy to to sit down and do it. Or the focus, because I think that's a it's a whole nother animal. I know you've written books. Oh yeah. I I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I'd start with all my poems first, because they're already written from like the last twenty years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I can help you with that. So we'll have to talk okay. about that later. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love that. I love that. So if if your our audience is typically someone like we said that's in transition of some sort. So is there any yeah. advice that you would give them with all the things that you've experienced? to let go of that label that they're telling themselves? I'd say that they're definitely not alone and find find a, a story that you can re relate to that's going to inspire you to get through the darkest days because there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I and for me personally, when there's things are getting a little harder on me, I know that I'm leveling up. And so just know that if you're going through a tough time in your life, that there's something better for you on the other end of that. And you could, once you're through it, you could change someone's life yourself with your story. And so mm. I, I just embrace the journey, you know? really embrace it and try to figure out what it means and what you can learn from it and try not to stay in the ickiness of what mm -hmm. it feels like, but just 
embrace it and move and move through it. You know, let life flow. Well, it's so true when some within when tubs are times are getting tough, tougher than they've been in a long time. It's because you are leveling up and that's so hard to remember. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Well, how could people connect with you? What is your social media? I know that we've we could talk all day. And oh yeah, <laughs> but I'm on have... all the things, Che. Yeah, I'm on all the things. <laughs> Label free podcast everywhere. Google search me or Deanna Radulescu. I know that's a mouthful. R A D U L E S C U. But I'm everywhere. Message me, follow me, connect with me. I'd love to hear from you. Yes. And what would be a you? What what would you want to be remembered for? What would be your legacy? Oh, I love this question. My mom always tells us to live our legacy. I, I think that I, to, that I've always smiled through the darkness and allowed others to level up through my strength. Mm. I mean, you're definitely a, a, an example of that right now. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm trying. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. So it has just been so awesome to have you finally on the show and being able to share your inspiring story. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Shay. And I have one last question before you go. Okay. It, what is phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? Praise, scripture, or mantra. I mean, I guess it's just the phrase of my show to live your best life, live label free, you know? That's awesome. Living my best life over here, girl. Uh, there you go. Good. <laughs> we got that thriving going on. That's right. <laughs> love it. I love it. Well, thank you for listening to the Power of Investing in People podcast. If you enjoyed the show, because how could you not? Deanna's amazing. Go feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcast. And you can always leave us a voice message at SheaSparksPodcast.com and we will play it on the next episode. And until next time, let's get fired up. 